And so just follow along as I read or just maybe close your eyes and listen. Um, in the early, early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, it is as you say. And the chief priests began to accuse him harshly. Then Pilate questioned him again, saying, Do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release to them uh, any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answering again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. But Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released the rabbis for them, and after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. And they dressed him in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they kept beating his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, they took the purple road off him and put on his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, But he did not take it, and they crucified him, and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And they crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with transgressors. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole of the land until the ninth hour. 
And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put on a reed and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him, and there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, and he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he was dead in this time, and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in a linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewed out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. Read up to that file. <clears throat> Now, today's is called Good Friday, and it's good not because of what man has done or what man did, because they crucified the Christ, they crucified Jesus, but it is good because of who God is, because of what He has done. He is a loving, merciful, gracious God, and He gave His Son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life and really the cross displayed the cross revealed the cross manifested the love of god for us first john 4 9 tells us by this the love of god was manifested in us that god has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. And so God demonstrated His love in the giving of His Son, a Son who gave His life a ransom for many. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God in him in other words he to whom no punishment and no penalty was due was penalized was punished on behalf of the sinful and the guilty uh, on behalf of those who by the grace of god would believe those who would believe that he is jesus christ 
their Savior, that He is their all-sufficient, once-for-all sacrifice for their sin, who believe in Him as the resurrected Lord, who believed in Him as the interceding, their interceding high priest, who believe in Him as their sovereign King and their, and their almighty God. And they are the ones who upon hearing of the love of God in the message of the cross uh, are drawn by God, are called by God, uh, are redeemed by the Savior, forgiven, justified, sanctified, and ultimately glorified. They are the ones who are adopted as His children, sealed with the promise of His presence, the Holy Spirit. And He did this out of the richness of His mercy and out of the greatness of His love, Ephesians 2.4 tells us. And His love is a, a love that surpasses knowledge, that baffles understanding, that, that really breaks a hard heart that, that awakens the spiritually dead, that, that transform the repentant and that compels the born again to live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and rose again to life. You see, we, we know that from human experience that love makes us do strange things. Uh, when you fall in love for the first time, you did things that others would consider unusual, uh, strange. I mean, I know a man who risked court-martial and went AWOL over a weekend, uh, traveled to another country, uh, broke into an apartment just to spend a couple of precious hours with his loved one. But Christ's love is not just a, a silly romantic uh, kind of love. It is not spontaneous, it's not fickle, it is not reckless. The love of God is deliberate. The love of God is steadfast. It is unwavering. It is unflinching in the face of incredible demands. It is willing to pay the ultimate price. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus, out of his love for us, lay down his life. And really, what, what makes the events of the, the first Good Friday, the, the, the day that Christ was crucified, what makes that so incredible is not only that he suffered horrifically and that he was crucified unjustly, but it is for who he did it. He suffered and died for the ungodly, for sinners, for his enemies. I mean, Romans 5 tells us in verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, that is what makes Good Friday so incredible that Christ died, but he died for the ungodly, for sinners, for his enemies. And, and Jesus' uh, work of salvation was not just a weekend project. He just didn't come down on Friday, be crucified, resurrected on Sunday, and was back in heaven on Monday. No, it took, by estimation of many, about 33 years. 33 years in which he died every day to himself during his earthly life. He laid aside his heavenly glory by taking on flesh, by becoming a man. He laid aside his kingly splendor by taking on the form of a slave. He exchanged sovereignty to slavery. And he laid aside the loving adoration he had in heaven, the worship of angels, in order to be despised and rejected, opposed and denied, slandered and shunned, to be spit upon, to be mocked, and ultimately to be crucified. He denied himself daily so that he would submit himself to the will of his Father. And for whom? For whom? For the ungodly. For sinners. For those hostile in mind and heart towards him. People, that is us. That is us. Before the Lord saved us, we were the ungodly, the sinful, the hostile towards God. But while we were like that, Christ died for us. I mean, His love is just unsurpassed, unsearchable, unfathomable. And for us today to reflect on the love of Christ and His sacrifice for us today, I think it will serve us well to just take a few moments and to remember who we were, or who we were, or what we were like before Christ. It is only when we, we, we know the extent of our sin, the depth of our depravity, that the sweetness of His sacrifice and the marvelous, majestic, glorious, unsurpassed greatness of His love can be truly known and appreciated. The Bible teaches us that Jesus came to save sinners, which means Christ died for those who once suppressed the truth in unrighteousness, as Romans 1 reminds us. Christ died for those who once dishonored Him as God, denied Him as God, refused to give Him thanks. He died for those who once were foolish and futile in their speculations because their hearts were darkened. For those who were set on exchanging the truth about God for a lie. Who once were depraved of mind, with hearts filled with unrighteousness and wickedness 
and greed and evil, envious, jealous, murderous, full of strife and deceit, malice, gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, meaning disrespectful, arrogant, prideful, boastful, self-exalting, inventors of evil, really crafty in the way we go about things, disobedient to parents, lawless, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. But Paul goes on in Romans, in this dismal description of unredeemed man, and conclude that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he says in Romans 3 that there is none righteous, not even one. None who understands, none who seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become useless. There is none who does good, not even one. Out of uh, out, um, Our throats is an open grave with their tongues, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. The path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And yet Christ came to die for us, who's like this. Why do I emphasize this? Well, I think for us to really know the marvelous extent of God's love in redeeming a people like us, uh, we really need to first understand who we were and what we were like. And this description that Paul gives us and, and other parts of 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 the the Bible can we can extrapolate more from that, but people like this is whom Christ came to die for, like you and me, and it made me wonder uh, even of my own love that we are commanded to love others would would I give my life? Would you give your life? For someone like that, for a sinner, an offender, for the person who may have insulted you this week, who may have slandered you in the past, who may have verbally abused you, would you die for them? Would you give your life for them, that they may go free, that they may live? What about those who who treat you with contempt, who disrespect you, spit on you? What about those who, who, who lies to you, who steals from you, who takes your wife, your children, your possessions, your positions? I mean, we, would, we would never do that. But that is exactly what Christ came and did. While we were helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. That means for those who have no regard for God. 
While we were sinners, Christ demonstrated his love by sending Christ to die on our behalf. Sinners are those who disobey, who transgress, who, who willingly rebel against God and his ways which are designed for our good. While we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through Christ his Son. So Christ died for you and for me and for those who believe in him for salvation. He died for us to save us from death and from sin. And he died for us so that we may have life. How great a debt do we not owe our Savior? The debt of this life that he purchased with his own blood. And so this morning, I want us to remember that we were once hopeless, we were once helpless, we were once condemned for all eternity. But Christ came to die so that we may live no longer for ourselves, but for him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Romans 6 tells us, Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, when we come to faith, we, we are united with Christ through the Spirit. And it is as when Christ was crucified that because we are united with him, it is as if we were crucified that day. And because as he was buried, we were buried with him. And as he was raised to life, we are raised to newness of life. And we need to, at this time, when we remember Christ's death, really also contemplate our death. The death of the old man, the sinful man, the sinful self. I mean, Christ died to bring us life. Christ died to purchase us. We belong to him. That's what First Corinthians 6 tells us, that, that uh, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. Uh, whom we have from God, and that we are not our own. We do not belong to ourselves any longer. For we have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in, our, in your body. 
The life that we now live, we need to live for Him. And that means we need to die. We need to die to ourselves. We need to crucify ourselves. We need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Him. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor and theologian who opposed Hitler and the Nazis in the Second World War at the cost of his life, said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Have you died with Christ? Are you offering up your body as a sacrifice, holy, living, and acceptable to God in light of His great mercy? Romans 12 verse 1. You see, people, on Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection day. Celebrating the risen Christ. Celebrating His life and our life in Him. But Sunday's resurrection will have little meaning or little impact in your life unless you personally first die on Friday. When you die to self so that you can live for Him. We have newness in life. In Christ, but it cost us to die to ourselves. George Mueller, the Christian evangelist and founder and director of, of many uh, orphanages in England, uh, he lived a, a remarkable life of faith and was trusting the Lord for literally every provision. When asked the secret for his Christian life, he said, There came a day when George Mueller died. Utterly died. No longer did his own desires, preferences, and tastes come first. He knew that from then on, Christ must be all in all. And so this Easter weekend, as we consider the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord, let us also remember that Jesus came to die so that we may have life. And so for us to live, we must die. Die daily to ourselves. Die to our flesh, to fame, to fortune. To the flesh, our, our sinful fleshly desires. To fame, really the fear of man and the praise of men. The opinion and conditions of acceptance that man places on us. We need to die to that. We need to die to fortune. Really, that desire to be self-sufficient, to be independent, to be self-secured. As Christians, we need to die to live, and to live to die. And the more we die, the more we live. And the more we live, the more we die. And so on this Good Friday, with Christ having died for us in our place, and He calls us 
to himself and offers us life. Life in abundance. Eternal life. And he says, come to me. But come and die to yourself so that you may truly live. I'm going to give us now just a a few minutes uh, to for silent prayer where you are just sit and bow your head close your eyes forget about those who are around you and just offer up thanks to God for his amazing love for the Lord for his immense sacrifice Thanks to the Spirit of God who impresses the truthfulness of the gospel onto our hearts. And perhaps spend time in confession. Confessing your love for Christ. Or perhaps confess your coldness of heart and seeking His forgiveness. And then consecrate yourself anew to Him. To live for Him. Starting now. Starting today. Every day. For the rest of all your days. And so I'm going to just give you some time to think and pray. And then I'll close us in prayer. Before we close our service in the last song. Heavenly Father, who am I, who are we, that you should be mindful of us, that you would bless us with such great love, Lord. Lord, we who are undeserving, Lord, ungodly, sinners, hostile to you, Lord, yet you loved us and you gave your Son to die for us so that we may have life. Lord, how marvelous, how wonderful is your great love for us, Lord. And Lord, we we give you thanks for the cross, Lord, we give you thanks for what you have accomplished through it, that you have won a victory over sin and over death, Lord. Lord, that the penalty that was due to us, Lord, was laid on Christ. The wrath, your holy wrath against sin, was poured out on our Savior for our behalf. Lord, we can but humble ourselves and and say thank you. Thank you for the cross. And Lord, let's pray that as Christ has died, to give us life. 
Lord, you bid us to come and die so that we may truly live and live a life that is worthy of you. Lord, in this weekend as we contemplate and reflect on these wonderful truths, Lord, stir up our hearts anew, Lord. Refresh our love for you anew. Steal our resolve. Make us faithful, Lord. And Lord, thank you that in those moments and those times, even away from this weekend and away from all the resolve and the commitment that we make when we stumble and fall, your love remains unchanging. Your sacrifice is still sufficient. And you are glorified when we turn to you confess our sins and be restored to you in our relationship. So glory be to you, O Lord. Glory be to you. Amen.